All right. Okay, so we are super duper excited. We're excited that you would tune in today. And today we have live studio audience in our broadcast for salutations and importations. And we are excited about our live studio audience that is gonna be engaging us while we speak about this subject matter today. Uh, we're gonna be talking about screaming sonship. And that is something that we are going to unpack in, you know, major detail. Uh, and I got with me, before I even continue any further, I got with me a man that's been in my life for, what, 17 years? Yeah. And I have called him Pops for 17 years. He's been consistent. He's been there. He's not put pressure on me, but he's been present. You know, in every major moment in my life, he's been present with me. So why don't y'all do me a favor, those of you in the studio audience, why don't you clap your hands and celebrate and welcome Elder <laughs> Kenny Randolph. Wow. So we welcome him. I'm going to let him introduce himself, and I'm going to start off with you introducing yourself and telling us a few things that the studio audience may not know about you, and then also those that are listening in to our podcast today. Wow. I, I, first of all, let me thank you for inviting me. This is great to be here. Always a pleasure um, to come into an environment where, where God is lifted up, but where this, this word is, if you're telling me that many people are uh, in the studio audience and are listening to a podcast, then someone's going to get something uh, really, really uh, definitive tonight mm. in this podcast. We're at night, so I don't know when you show it, maybe during the day, it doesn't matter. Uh, what only matters is that uh, what you get from what God has already prepared for you. Yeah. And uh, me, I don't know really where to begin um, <laughs> because I was thinking about how God has done so much, where God takes little and makes much. And my life has been one um, that's pretty traveled. Um, if I go back, I don't go too far back, but I'm thinking, um, I just finished the first, my first book, by the way. And guess what, guys? Those of you that are listening in and those of you in the studio audience, we're going to be sitting down talking through the chapters in his book. So you got to be on the lookout for that. But, but I, I think more so is that I had a background of sports and all those things. I grew up in the church and, uh, and knew all the things about being in church. But the church didn't have me, al mm. although uh, my mother made sure that I, I, I learned uh, Christ and learned the Word and learned uh, the Scriptures. But then I went off and did my thing. I grew up in the, uh, the hood. Mm. Hood, hood. <laughs> and uh, so just to make it out, just to make it out, and then uh, went on uh, to uh, college and played sports there. I got a scholarship for football, track, uh, came out of that. And the Lord spoke to me when I was leaving football. And I, I don't know if we have time to share that. I won't share that whole story. But from there, uh, I came into the things of God and joined the church in uh, Houston, left, left Dallas and went to Houston, joined church in Houston. And that's the Lord spoke to me when I got to Houston, maybe three years after I left Dallas. And God's got a great memory. <laughs> and so he doesn't forget anything, right? He doesn't forget anything. And so I, I left it and I started seeing myself getting involved more and more in ministry. And the more I tried to go this business route that I really love going into because I want to make a lot of money and do a lot of different things. And 
he would always like this, like a fish that had a hook in his mouth. Mm. I'd go as far as I could and then he'd hook me right back and start reeling me right back to where he was. And if I did, went out another way later on, he'd just reel me back in. So I realized finally that God meant for me at this time, I had a double uh, anointing. Mm. One for ministry, one for business. Yes, sir. And it's been that way for some time. And I don't, because I still believe the greatest harvest, Apostle, yes, is in the marketplace. Yes, sir. We just haven't tapped into it in the way that, as believers, we should. So me, I got kids. I got two beautiful daughters, um, uh, one wonderful, lovely wife. We've been married. It'll be 40 years. That's older than many time. of you sitting out in these seats. But, 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 but see, but it, it lets you know it's a testament to what God can do. Uh, if you let him in your marriage, if you let him in your life, if you let him in your family, if you let him in your business. So uh, then I uh, came to Dallas uh, several years ago, about 25 years ago, joined this church called the Potter's House. And um, uh, we weren't looking for that church, it, it, but obviously it's what God had planned for us. And uh, that's where I met Apostle Brad. Um, and I... Um, uh, not long after that, became uh, director of the evangelism ministry in the church. So I was in that position for almost 12 years in evangelism, uh, going everywhere. Going out of the country, going across the country, going around the block, going in the hood, going back, going back to places that I never would want to go to when I was coming up. Uh, but that's how God does you. And uh, then I moved from there, migrated from there uh, several years ago to the men's ministry. So now I'm over the men's ministry. And I have my own ministry, so uh, it's busy in my life. Still doing business, still doing different things, and just, just trusting God. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that mm -hmm. I think that many people, and especially those that are listening, will be amazed to know that you actually play professional football. I did. I did. I believe the Cowboys. For a right? short okay. moment. I, I actually, I was drafted. <laughs> yeah, I was drafted by... <laughs> I was drafted by the Cleveland Browns. I don't know about my pops. Yeah, I was, I, I was drafted by the Cleveland Browns out of college. And I was their first offensive player they drafted. And um, so I went to Cleveland, and it, it's a funny story. Uh, so my roommate was from Cleveland. And he was drafted, he was like the third player picked in the first round. He, oh, awesome player. And he was from Cleveland. So he taunted me for like two days. <laughs> because he got drafted by the New York Giants. And so all he, I heard for two days, I'm going to New York, the Big Apple. The city's so nice, Kenny, they named it twice. And you're going, <laughs> and you're going to Cleveland. And, and I said, you're talking about your own town. He said, <clears throat> and so he called it a mistake by the lake. So that's what I heard for, for a couple of days. And we were great friends. And, um, uh, and he was one of these big guys. He's like 6'5", 265. That was big back then. I mean, it was really big. And, uh, but he was, he was a big man, uh, really wanted to be a little guy because he wanted to wear nice clothes. <laughs> so he'd get, he'd get jealous because he couldn't wear small clothes, right? And so I'm telling on him, he's, he's going on to be with the Lord uh, a, a few years back. But it was so funny, the first car he bought him, when he got, because he got big money when he signed, he bought a 911 Targa Porsche. Now I want you to think about that. He's 6'5", 265. <laughs> he buys a 911 Targa Porsche. When he got in it, he, that's how he drove. <laughs> um, and so he was, he was an interesting guy. But no, it, so yeah, I, I played football. Uh, that was a short term. Uh, I, I write about it in my book some. Uh, it, but it was exposure. 
-hmm. It was exposure. And then I ran track there too and had a phenomenal track career uh, there as well, international. And, uh, but one thing I'll say in, in, uh, is that God is always, and this is something you said, say something about they may not know. God has always allowed me to be around three things. Mm -hmm. Great people, great organizations, and great causes. Mm. See, great causes. Great causes don't always come on the big stuff. See, every, there, a lot of big things started small. They didn't start big. They started small. But you got to be able to know, you know, that God's in it. And I just you know, was, was so fortunate to be a, a small part of a great thing. Uh, and so that's kind of how my life has unfolded. And so I, I believe in, in giving that back to people. I believe in uh, sowing into things uh, and letting see God work. Wow, yeah. that's incredible. I, I want to go back like in your world. I, I remember talking to you mm -hmm. about uh, how you didn't have your father in your life. Oh, yeah. And I, I want to deal with that. Okay. Uh, and just kind of tell, how did you get from that place, you know, with you going into football as a man's, man's game, and then going into that space, how did you get from point A to point B without a father up close? It, it was, um, my father passed like three days before I was born, and my mother went to labor at the gravesite. And so they rushed her across, it was in a little country town in Missouri, and they rushed her across the Missouri River to be, uh, so I could be birthed in a hospital across the river. And I didn't know whether it's because they wouldn't allow black people to be born in, in that hospital there they had in that little town or they didn't have a hospital. So I was born across that and uh, gave, she gave birth to me. But I had, being in a country town, okay, you from a country town too. I am. I went down there. <laughs> country, yeah. country, you know, backwards type of country. You hear me? I said, I, you know, I love Apostle Grant because I drove four hours to be there, you know, and I didn't, I didn't really think about it. I said, can't you fly in? Can I just like fly in? He said, no, you probably want to fly in. But, but, but the thing about it, being in that place, what I, what I learned what helped me was loving aunts and uncles. Mm. Uh, because my father was the was the youngest brother, and he had and my aunt and uncle that I spent a lot of time with didn't have any kids, so my mother sent me there to stay out of trouble. So she, I was in the city. I was, Kansas City was the, the biggest city, and so she kept me there to keep me out of trouble. So I, I thought about this: how I learned how to work from my uncle. Mm. I learned how to work the work ethic. First thing I learned how to drive when I was uh, old enough to drive was a tractor. Not, not a car, a tractor. And um, so, I, so I understand that life. I understand people. Uh, and I got to meet some really great people um, and then continue to go on. Uh, had, uh, as I found I had a little athletic talent, then I had coaches. So my uncle was like my father figure. Mm -hmm. He was strong, he's quiet, mm. but you didn't want to mess with him. You know, he's one of those guys that kind of cut you and you don't even know you cut. Uh, and you don't want to get him mad. But, uh, but he, he, he taught me those things, taught me how to work, taught me how to fish, taught me how to hunt, taught all those things, uh, went to baseball games. And then when I got to sports, I had a coach there that uh, gravitated towards me. And he helped develop even that more. Because he knew I was a kid, single parent home, uh, living in... Uh, a dangerous city 
inner city, you know, things that happen all the time. So what happened was you become so vulnerable uh, at times when you don't have a father. Uh, and you said something about uh, earlier when you titled this Streaming Sonship. Son Sonship. I really believe that there are so many young people today screaming, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but you can't hear them. Yes, sir. They're screaming from their hurts and they're not sharing them. They're just acting them out. They're doing things that really, because I've got to show me in that life, so I always went from place to place, and then I, the, the, I think probably the biggest stop uh, as I was still walking, I had that sports at coach, I had my uncle. Then when I got uh, in the church, and I had, had great pastors and people like that, but never the relationship until I came and had a relationship with my spiritual father, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Mm. And people have to understand what that means. Because mm -hmm. people think if you're a son mm -hmm. or you're part of a Talk spiritual, that you overeating dinner with somebody every night and y'all, you know, breaking bread. No, that's not that kind of relationship in the spirit. Yes, sir. He covered me yeah. and still covers me. Yeah. Uh, but God has taught me and shown me the him. Yeah. That I know what he has to deal with and dwell with. And so therefore, you know, that space, he only has so much space. But I derived my space from that. And then God showed me a couple years ago. I said, look, well, basically, I fathered you. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you thought all these other people were. He said, I really fathered you. <laughs> I fathered you through all this stuff, all your mistakes and all your issues. And I told you about vulnerabilities, you know, as you're coming up to young. Because, you know, you, you're searching, you're asking. You, you want that verification. You want that someone to confirm you or affirm you. And so you hang out with people. I hung out with a lot of bad kids. I, did, I wasn't one of them. Because uh, I was scared of my mother. Yeah. I was scared to do something that my mother would send me to Boys Town. Because yes, she sir. threatened to send me places if I didn't straighten up. So I was around people that did, did things and didn't make it out. Some of them, are, 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 they went home, they died. You know, they got killed or they murdered. Or, and, but you, we just got to talk real talk. That's what happens when you, you're uh, being led by the crowd. Yeah. You're being led because you want to be accepted. Yeah. You, you want to feel like you cool you in with folk. Yeah. And some of the people I, around, I was around, that if, if, if you didn't play sports, go to the park and play with them, because they, the, they, the, they were the hoodlums that ran the park. Mm. And so if you go there, then either you went home or you stayed there. And if you, if you weren't one of them or hanging out with them, then you had to fight. Yeah. So you, you had like three choices, you know? Yeah. And so I like sports. And um, so I, I, I would say there were, it's tumultuous growing up uh, without a father. And, but, I, but I made it. Yes, sir. So when I see young men today, people young, I say, look, don't use the reason your daddy's not with you to say you can't succeed. Yeah. You're hiding behind that. Yeah. It may be tough. Yeah. It may be rough. You, you'll have to separate the wheat yeah. from the chaff because yeah. you'll get a lot of weeds yeah. in the midst of your flowers. And I always say, don't let the weeds get in the way of your flowers. Mm. That's a good point. Y'all better get that. <laughs> well, look, let me ask you this. Like, when it comes to woundedness, like, in that process, did mm -hmm. you ever like feel the wound like when i think about it you know from my standpoint mm -hmm. um is that 
I felt the wound, like almost like somebody would feel like a wound in your skin, like if you got a cut or something. Mm -hmm. Like I could feel it periodically. Wow. It was it was like a pain inside of me. I know some people uh, didn't necessarily feel it like that. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is like, did you feel the wound, or was it ever a wound there because of that, or did those those few fathers that gathered around you? help to take care of I, I don't think they did it. I think what happened, Apostle, was uh, the fact that my father died before I was born. Mm -hmm. So I never missed him okay. in that manner. It, it had been eight years old or 10 years old or 12 or 13 years old. I, I, I saw my best friend that time he lost his mother to cancer and I saw how he just shut down and he turned his back on God and I, you know, and I didn't have that feeling but I'm but I missed it and I would I would I was reminded uh, I would go and pick up a buddy of mine on the way to school in the mornings I think we were probably in I don't know ninth grade or something and I'd go and uh, we had porches back in the Midwest so everybody had a porch that's where we hung out on the porch right mm -hmm. and so I went knock on the door it was my custom to knock on his door and pick him up we walked to school together but I'd always see his family sitting in the kitchen from around the corner eating and I would ask myself, I wonder what that's like. I wonder what that's like to sit down as a family with a father and eat together. And I, then I wondered even bigger, I wonder what it's like, because uh, as I got older and I had other guys that, uh, when I was uh, in pro ball, that their fathers were still, took them out to play catch and basically brought them and grew them up. And I said, I wonder what that was like to have a father take you to the park and then train you in, in your skill sets and all that. So I had to always dismiss it and keep going. And it wasn't until probably a year ago, I never even came to this realization, maybe a year and a half, two years ago, wow. that I probably, more than likely, was dealing with a, a spirit of abandonment. Yeah. I felt abandoned, didn't know it. Yeah. Because what I did to overcome it, I succeeded. Yeah. So I let wow. success that was my that was my defense. I guess that was it to replace it. Even with the, the hurts and pains along the way, I had a way of just compartmentalizing it or hurting. And then uh, God knew what I needed. He knew what I needed. So I think the, the desire to be successful and make it out and then be able to tell people I made it out. You know, I made it out of this city. I made it out of this place. You know, I, I did this. And um, but I look back on it and said, you know, you were dealing with a spirit of abandonment because you, mm. in some ways, felt like you never had your father. Mm. In some way, somehow he abandoned you. And let, but he didn't do it intentionally. He didn't even know, other than when my mother was pregnant, knew that she was pregnant. But uh, so you, 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 you uh, God puts people in your life to be able to help you along the way. And it doesn't make it any easier. So I think today, that's why when I see young, young people that don't have a family structure or fathers in their lives, I gravitate to them. And unusually, they gravitate to me. Yeah. And I'm much older than them. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, oh, but I feel this is what God is doing. He knows that I can be a sounding board and not be someone that tells them what to do. Because yeah. what happens today, if I get, uh, if there's 57% of homes that are in African-American community, Yes, sir. They're without fathers. Mm -hmm. Then that tells me that 57% of those, whatever the scenario is in those homes, they're not used to having a father. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
speaking their lives might he might come on the weekends he might pick them up all those other pieces but th they're not used to having that male instruction Mm -hmm. and telling you what to do and where to go. And so you can't be that gap because you they haven't had that. So when you have an older man coming and trying to tell a younger person what to do, they reject it. Yeah. So, so I, I asked God for wisdom and said, I don't want that. I said, I'd rather hear them. There's an old saying that says, seek to understand, to be understood. Yeah. <laughs> If you want to be understood, tweet that. Seek to understand. <laughs> Hashtag. Hold your, hold your mule and seek to understand. <laughs> That's wisdom. That's so much wisdom. Wow, 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 wow. That touches um, deep, you know, just, just processing all that you say it. How many people in here that's in the studio audience, you grew up, either without a father in the home or a father that wasn't present in the home. Whoa. 50%. Wow. Which is probably something that we all see, we run into people on a consistent basis and don't know that that's their story. Um, and it's hard to, it's, is it hard to deal with people if they haven't had that type of stuff that you, you had? Like, okay, you had the experience, but then, God, you know, well, I won't even say God graciously gave you because I, I just really had this strong inclination to believe that God gives these type of things to most of us, but we don't recognize it. Mm -hmm. And so we might reject it. We mm -hmm. might run from it. We might mm -hmm. fight it away. Um, all these type of things that we do. Um, but you, you had the opportunity. You grabbed it, you know. Mm -hmm. But when we are dealing right. today, and I want to talk about it from the standpoint of you doing evangelism in the streets too. But um, we talk about it today, man, and it, it's sad, it's bad, it's tough, you know, and you can't blame yeah. the people that are in the condition that they didn't have fathers, but yeah. what I realized, and this is why you are so right to have God come in and father you, because what I realized is that if, if God hadn't fathered me, mm. I think, you know, my Lord, I, I don't even know if I could have made it, you know, because yeah. I was so devastated. Mm -hmm. I was so deeply um, hurt. And I didn't know it was hurt. It was manifesting, like you said, about other friends in the hood. I was that friend in the hood that's trying to fight all the time. <laughs> um, you know what I'm saying? I'm a, I was telling a friend the other day. I, no, I was. I think I was talking to um, uh, my assistant and telling him, like, mm -hmm. man, I remember one time I had a gun and somebody had jumped on somebody in my family. And I was, I went and pulled in the middle of the street, jumped out of the truck, just so happened when I grabbed for the gun, it had no clip. Oh, wow. And I was so angry that, because I was, you know, kind of like protector of, of my family. They didn't, a lot of them didn't have to fight if I was around, you know? Um, and so I said that to say, it was deep wounding for me. And when God came and got me, it was like he literally just picked me up, you know. I think that, and we'll, we'll talk about this next segment, but I think him even bringing me into the potter's house was him still carrying me. Right. I felt like that he was just like, we gonna get you to safety, right. <laughs> you know. Like even though you gave your life to Jesus, mm -hmm. you know, we got a lot of work to do. Uh, and so what my question is for you, as you went out into the streets in evangelism, like mm -hmm. how? Did, how was that? Because I know you've had to run against 
up against, cause I run up against it all the time and I'm not in the streets like you were. You took me out there and I fell in love with it. I was like, Brad, what have I been doing with my life? You know, it was like the Holy Spirit was living in the streets versus in the church. I was like, Brad, what are we missing? And even now I have this longing, this linger telling me, you can't have this, this type of house and not go out there and get these people. You gotta set a plan in place. So for the last, what? Um, few months as we have migrated over here, I just mm -hmm. been feeling this burden like, we we can't wait on people to come. No. We gotta go get them. No. And what reminds me is you taking me into the streets. But I would see so many people that were wounded. So how many people would you say in your going out there that many years that you see that was affected by fatherlessness? Well see, most of my time was spent it's ironic, you know, God can take you to places that if you had to choose, you go to the nicer places. <laughs> you go to certain places. And I, I was, uh, I just got through teaching the book of Acts uh, last I week. I finished it up. I, I finished it up. And what amazed me were the, we, we always think we're persecuted. <laughs> Listen, talk about it. We don't know what persecution really is. You know, now I'm, I'm, now I'm going to frame it for you. I'm going to frame it for you. See, because you got to look at what's going on today versus <laughs> in. that persecution meant you probably were going to die. Right. Or you're probably going to be in jail. You know, I, I, you, you think about those things. I think about things like the Apostle Paul was a Christian killer and he was a jail. He put people in jail. And but then. Then God changed him. He had to walk back into cities. Listen, Listen to this. Where he had jailed their fathers, mothers, and children, and God, they didn't get out of jail because he got saved. I'm trying to paint that picture. They didn't get out of jail because they heard the God open up the uh, the drop the chains off like Peter. No, that didn't happen. Right. So them folks, although he got changed, they were still mad at him. Because their, cause their family was still in jails. So, so, so what happened was, that, as I shared earlier, you know, I, was, I wasn't a gangster. I wasn't a hoodlum. I knew who they were in my neighborhood. I, I knew how to morph a little bit to, if I had something I wanted to do or be around, I, I hung around just, but I never did what they did. I didn't do the, the really crazy stuff, right? So when I uh, got thrusted out to evangelism, that was never something I had desired to do. Uh, but I went out uh, for the first time in Fifth Ward in Houston. Mm. And if you ever know what Fifth Ward in Houston is, it's, it's rough, tough there, mm. really tough. And I had a pastor that was real zealous and wanted us to go out and witness. And I had never <laughs> witnessed before. Like, do what? Go out on a Friday night. <laughs> Out it. into that <laughs> on the streets past dusk. This wasn't no daytime Fear evangelism. Born. This was nighttime evangelism when everything came out. See, so you get certain levels of demons that come out at different times. Because the people that do the worst stuff, they don't even go out out until like midnight or one o'clock, and then they sleep all day. So all day, all, all day. So you don't really see them, right? <laughs> but. What happened was we got thrusted out in this. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know how to say it. I had no script. I didn't have no track. I had nothing other than praying. I learned how to pray real good. And, um, and that was just how God gives you a snapshot. So he gave me a snapshot at that moment. I never did it again for another 
five, maybe six years. And then when I moved uh, to, uh, back to Dallas, I was in Dallas the first time. I moved back to Dallas, I joined a little small storefront church, and this was like a real storefront. But I didn't feel bad because I used to belong to a storefront church that was in back of a storefront. That's how, <laughs> that's how storefront it was. So anyway, uh, he's giving time. So, so, okay. So anyway, long story short, uh, I became part of the evangelism ministry at the Potter's House. I had sung before. I used to sing with my wife, and we were in a group. We were in a gospel group. We did all that. Came out of church choirs, all those things. Yeah. And, and then when we got here, and then we, then we got here, then Lord didn't have any of that. That was not even something I wanted to do. And I didn't know what I wanted to do until I finally walked across the table one day inside the church, and I saw this sign said evangelism. And I said, Lord, that's where I'm going. Hmm. I said, because I think that's your heart. Hmm. And I want to do your heart, and then you'll show me what to do next. And I had no idea. I, I got in it, and for too long, took for years, I was directing the ministry. After that, and uh, God was keen to do stuff. I was going to Africa. I was going to places. And so my heart got arrested, and I had no idea I'd be going back out to places that I was fearful to go to when I was a kid. But God took it away because I wanted to have the kind of love that Paul had because mm. he said he was compelled by this great gospel yeah man did y'all hear that wait I wanted to do his heart so y'all ain't listening say that again you wanted to do his heart and what? I, I wanted to have the heart where I could look at someone you said it earlier and not see the, the and not see the, the gangster or not see the, 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 the thief or not see the, the things. That's what he saw in the, the disciples. He looked, he, he didn't see a fisherman, he saw an apostle. Yeah, he did. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. He almost making me shout on my podcast. I typically try to stay very <laughs> reserved when I talk on my podcast. I realize that we are talking to people <laughs> that want to listen to it and don't want no shout, but I feel like shouting. So guys, um, we have concluded this segment. Uh, we thank you so much for tuning in to Salutations and Impartations. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook. That's where we are right now. If you just look up my name, you'll be able to see it. And you can also tap into what we call Soul Care. So thank you so much for tuning in today. And we will see you next week on Wednesday morning, 5 a.m. You can get this podcast. God bless you. Come on, studio audience. Won't you clap for me? Come on, stand to your feet. <laughs>